What is going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Squad Up. I am your host, Eduardo, and this here is the podcast all about games, games of all kinds. And joining me on the squad today, it is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. It's Peaches, everyone. Peaches, what's up, man? Hey, Eduardo, how's it going? Living the dream, man. How are you doing? Uh, you know, it's a busy week, uh, new job, Mo- most importantly, lots of new games. Got some streaming in. Oh, uh, God bless dancing along to that intro music it's so catchy yeah dude it's so yeah the lyrics just really get me every time yeah the the lyric that's what i was talking about too yeah the lyrics uh we've got a new member joining the squad today uh, a buddy of both myself and peaches um he's a very dear friend of ours it's cody cody what's up man hey squad what's going on thanks for having me on man yeah, absolutely. Now, um, Cody, uh, we like to initiate people when they're coming onto the squad with a, yeah. a little thing um, called the top five games of all time. So let's go ahead. Let's hear your top five games of all time. All right, man. I will give it to you. And uh, just to echo what Lewis said last week, it is not an easy thing to accomplish, but uh, it is doable. And I think I have it down here. So uh, I'm going to go with my number five game to start off with. It's going to be Sonic, actually, from the Sega Genesis. I love that game. It's probably my first game that I ever beat. Uh, Genesis was my first console ever at home. So um, I played it first game. I completed all the way through. I even have some fond memories playing with my mom a couple times. And she's not much of a video gamer at all. So that was a feat in itself. And uh, so, yeah, it has some fond memories for me. So definitely uh, made it into my top five. Uh, number four, I run down. I enjoy Assassin's Creed, actually. I made it on that list. I'm a big history buff, and anything with history I'm, I'm into. So uh, Assassin's Creed really lent itself to me, that it was something that was both historical and it was also a video game that I can play. Uh, if I had to choose a particular one, I'd probably go with Black Flag because uh, I'm into anything and all things pirate. So I enjoyed being a swashbuckler on that one. Moving down to uh, number three, I chose uh, Mortal Kombat as uh, Mortal Kombat altogether, really. I've been playing Mortal Kombat for as long as I can remember, uh, pretty much since the beginning. Uh, arcade and both console. If I had to choose, I would probably go with arcade. love a classic arcade console with Mortal Kombat. Uh, the trilogy is what sticks out most to me because it had the best variety of characters I could choose and play with. And so I spent many hours perfecting that and also Googling all the cheat codes I could. And uh, we're doing my first fatality. That's, that's always something that everybody remembers. And it was super gory and my mother hated it, but I still played it. And so I enjoyed that. Uh, number two, I have to say would be Destiny um, from the Xbox One. I know that's a little controversial right now with the state that Destiny 2 is in currently. But uh, Destiny as a game, I loved it. I played it ever since it first came out, 2014, uh, with some friends. I thought it was a really good shooter, and I liked the mechanics of it. And then really what drew me into it and actually kept me playing it was the community and being able to play with my friends and buddies across the country all over because I had moved away, and it was a good way to keep in touch with folks that were really far away. And there was nothing like getting six people together, doing a raid, and uh, killing a boss and getting some cool loot. So it's definitely stuck with me, and um, I have faith that Destiny 2 will recover someday, perhaps. But uh, Destiny 1 has a very special place in my heart. Keep dreaming uh, on that one, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, I, I, I have faith. I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not completely out yet, but uh, we will see. We'll see how the tide turns. Uh, and lastly, uh, this is certainly an undisputed number one, in my opinion. It is my favorite game of all time, and that would be GoldenEye 007 for the N64. It is the game that baptized me in FPSs. I love playing FPSs, still do to this day. And that was really the game that kind of set it off for me. I have more hours than I possibly could probably count playing that game. And uh, with my friends, shooting my sister, poor thing, um, getting all the fun cheat codes and things like that, you know, doing paintball only or big head mode or little mode. And, um, it really just, I think, is a pinnacle of what a first-person shooter should be like, and it's definitely has been and will always be my number one top favorite game of all time. 
Yeah, that's a fantastic list, and it's an easy list to talk about because I don't know about you, Peaches, but I've played every single one of the games on that list, so let's just take it from the very beginning. Sonic the Hedgehog, um, fantastic game. Um, uh, it's kind of sad to think about now is sort of the state of where Sonic the Hedgehog is and this weird limbo can't put out a good game to save its life. I guess Sonic Mania um, was the last sort of critically accepted good game, um, but still not... Not not anywhere in the the space that it used to be in, right? You know, Sonic Adventure Two is the last good one. Um, that, that was what for the Dreamcast. You, you Dreamcast. It was then on GameCube. It's now on my PlayStation Three. Like you can't. Everybody really wants to play that game because they want to listen to City Escape. That's, <laughs> nice. that's what it's about. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, no. Go ahead. No, Sonic Sonic games, I played them a lot growing up too. I played the second one. That was what I had for my Sega Genesis. And I really hate underwater levels because of Sonic 2. Yeah, I'm going to echo that same sentiment. I hated the underwater levels. They were darn near impossible to beat. And I remember finally completing them and I had to like walk away from the system for a little while and take some some deep breaths because they were quite stressful, I'll say that. I mean, for me, it was mostly because of the the music that played when you were drowning, right? Like, no, stop, make it stop. Yeah, it's like the most unnerving music ever. I've never wanted to swim to a bubble more in my entire life, right? You have weird desires. Hey, man, don't get mad at me because reasons. All right, so what was next on your list, Cody? Next up was Assassin's Creed, the series in general. Assassin's Creed. Now, I've never been like super big into Assassin's Creed. I actually just got Assassin's Creed Origins. I haven't actually started playing it yet, but um, it's never been my cup of tea. I'm not like a. I just. I've never been a stealth game guy. I just like to run up guns blazing, Doom style, and just shoot everything and like, you know, like just kind of kamikaze in there. I'm, I just don't have the patience for stealth games, but I mean, if it's your jam, man, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely dig the stealth vibe because when you pull off that perfect assassination and even were able to take out, you know, multiple guys with all without being seen, it's a it's a good feeling, I think. And uh, it's a, and I definitely want to have an actual hidden blade one time in life. So that's that's, you know, future goals. Christmas list 2019. Like an interesting goal. Let's hope. No, like <laughs> F, we're not on some sort of FBI watch list now. That is really scary, Cody. <laughs> hey, listen, I, you know, I think it's uh, it's a beautiful weapon. Well, everyone can have their opinion, I guess. That's cool. <laughs> uh, next up was Mortal Kombat, if I'm correct. That is correct. Yes, Mortal sir. Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I Honestly, more fondly than the video games, I just kind of remember the movies. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love a good Mortal Kombat fighting game, but, God, those movies are just... They're, they're like, so bad they're good, right? Toasty! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they're awesome like i'm 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 really hankering for a new mortal kombat movie you know it's uh, been 25 years next year oh my god don't say the that original movie came out do not say I'm those thinking, words to yeah me. no well, let's let's bring it let's bring it back let's uh reboot the bad boy and let's get it going again the first one was years. perfect we don't need another one <laughs> what you didn't like no, annihilation no Oh, no, dude, we I don't. Love... We don't talk about annihilation. We forget I... about that one. No, no, yeah. no. Annihilation needs to be in there because of that scene where they're all choosing who they're gonna fight, and it's so stupid and cheesy. That I, I pick that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, That's... it was it was a staple scene, but it's, it wasn't really a great movie. The first one was actually a decent movie. You're not wrong. I will agree there. Uh, so, what was next on your list? Uh, next up was the infamous, uh, now infamous, I should say, uh, Destiny. And this is Destiny 1 purely uh, for Xbox or PS4, anybody who played that way. And uh, so that's my number two game there. Yeah, not I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I was on the Destiny train for the entire first run of Destiny. Uh, when Destiny 1 came out, I got it for the PS4, um, and I played all the way through it. And I had a, a group of friends that I played with all the time, and then they all stopped playing. And I wanted to play the game so much that I found another group of friends that all played on the 360. And then I bought the game for the 360 and started over just so I could keep playing it with people. Hey, no shame there. Uh, that's I think that's the one thing, and that's why it didn't make it to my list. Like I 
said, the one thing that really kept me playing the game wasn't the story. Story's good. Uh, you know, the lore has like a lot of deep lore you can really get into. Uh, the gun game's great. Uh, you know, Bungie obviously knows how to make a first-person shooter really good. But the thing that kept me coming back was the community, was playing with friends, even complete strangers. I met uh, a bunch of different people that I've never seen in, in real life at all and played with them multiple times. You know, it's like, like, Hey, you want to go kill some aliens with me? It's like, absolutely. Now we're best friends. So, you know, that's one thing that I, that destiny had for me that, you know, no other game really matched. You could have just joined the men in black for most of what you just asked. That is true. I'm, I've been waiting for the call, you know, the invitation, but uh, that has yet to come. So I'm, I keep, I keep a lookout for anybody just in a black suit. I'll just kind of like, you know, look, go up to him, walk up to him and be like, Hey, are you, you know, you're part of the, part of the bureau. And they'll be like, no, no, don't know what you're talking about, man. Agent yeah, K. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure Agent K is <laughs> I am Agent taken, K. <laughs> right? And last up on your list was a uh, golden eye, which is, again, we're going to be talking about a little later when we dive into the first person shooter genre. So let's, let's put that one on a pause for now. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some, something that's been going on recently in the, the theatrical world, and that's Ready Player One, um, a movie solely, not solely focused on video games, but sort of taking place within a video game for basically more than half of the movie. Um, we've all had a chance to see it, to see it, to see it. <laughs> we've all, <laughs> we've all had a chance to see it. Uh, both Cody and I have read the book. Uh, but first, I want to hear what Peaches has to think, of, uh, what he has to say about the movie, because he hasn't read the book, and so his, uh, I think, opinion hasn't been tainted yet. You have a way with words today, my friend. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that when I trivial pursuited Ready Player One, <laughs> I, I, I honestly had a good time. Um, the movie was very pretty. I saw it in 3D, which I know I typically don't do because I just don't think that 3D in movies is that impressive. Um, and I don't really like any gimmicky 3D. Like, I don't need you to throw a projectile at my face. Like, it's it's not fun. Um, but the movie itself was pretty. The best part about it to me was all of the nostalgia, right? All of the different video game characters and non-video game characters too because everybody's designing their own avatar. I At one point... Everybody saw Tracer, right? Yes, um, several times. The, the main character who I, well, what's his name? Parzival. Par Wade yeah, Watts. or Wade. Wade, there you go. Wade's a uh, like awful aunt's boyfriend guy was playing as Rainer. Like the battle toads were in there in the fight scene at the end and a bunch of comic book characters. Like that was really cool. I think the only thing that I didn't really need from the movie was the super extra layer of cheese when it came to the love story aspect like you can put a love story in that movie but you didn't need to layer on the cheese so hard i like cheese when it's intentional not when it's unintentional hmm. i mean was it like that in the in the books though was he like did he go ted mosby on, on <laughs> artemis he did but it was it's better explained i think in the book it's he he's more of a fan of her and it, and this is uh, my 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 sort of biggest gripe with the 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 movie is that it didn't have as much time as it needed to sort of mature the story so everything happens so fast in the movie because of the movie space and because you know you, you're trying to fill a time block um, but the book really took its time fleshing out these characters and so when he did was when he was like you know I love you it, it was more earned whereas in the movie he had met her and then he like hung out with her twice and then was like I love you and it just wasn't it didn't feel earned whereas in the book they had spent lots of time together and become really close friends and and knew each other and talked all the time and and so it felt more earned I mean yeah he literally Mosby'd her yeah absolutely he yeah. Mosby'd her it was a full on Mosby. Yeah. Like, like uh, Eduardo said, like it's much more organic in the book. There's uh more passage of a time, you know, he, he obviously he likes her. He has a cyber crush on her. He admits many times he like follows her like blogs and it's her Twitch feed and stuff like that. And, but when they actually finally start hanging out, it's a bunch of time passes. And so that's kind of with something, you know, my gripe as well. I wish they would have done in the movie is more of a, if it had to be a montage, I mean, you know, it's a bunch of eighties nostalgia, put in an eighties montage in there if you need of a passage of time that, you know, would have, would have given them more grounds to have 
kind of kindled more of a relationship. And then, you know, when that I love you scene comes up, you're like, oh, that, that feels good. That feels right. A montage, I think, would have been a really good fit for that now that you mention it. I think my favorite part of that whole movie, though, was the entire act with The Shining. That is beautiful. And I, I was smiling ear to ear, ear the whole time. I think that was everyone's favorite part. And it was fantastically done. So in the book, that section, that scene is supposed to be them like acting out the movie War Games. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, it so it's so the entire book is is like a call to Ernest Klein, the, the author of the book and his. Um, fandom for all these different properties from the 80s. He loves them. And so directing the movie was Steven Spielberg. And it's no um, it's no secret that he absolutely loved The Shining. And so he incorporated that from his own fandom into this movie that he's, that he's directing about fandom. So it's it's like super meta and super interesting to think about that. that wait, that's, wait, that, wait. So the scene in the book had nothing to do with The Shining. Correct. No, the yeah, Shining it was not had, Shining at all. Correct. The Shining just, is not in the book at all. We just spoiled the book and the movie. Correct. I mean, if people were listening to this and spoiler alert, right? The spoilers they're they're happening. <laughs> um, but for someone, literal worse. I mean, it's not like it's not that right. much of a spoiler. They're gonna no. know that those things are gonna happen in the movie and not happen in the book. Now, what happens during those scenes and what happens there in the book, it still can be mysterious. You know, it's still worth watching and still worth reading. Right, it's interesting because they did change a ton. So the the movie still has the same basic premise as the book. There's the Oasis. There's the same main character. Um, they have the same general characters, um, and it has the same very very basic plot through of you need to get the keys um, to get the shares and then to get the, the the Easter egg and all that. But besides that. Almost every other part was changed. Um, all of the challenges are different. There's less challenges. Um, there's more time in between. Uh, Parzival or Wade, he goes to school in the Oasis. That's how he has a headset and gloves in it. Um, I think what the movie was missing and what I really enjoyed from the book is how how grounded it was. And so right now and when you watch the movie it feels like he's playing a game right but in the book it's it's more of like a life thing like it's like a way of life because the 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 surrounding world around him is so torn down that he needs to escape and everyone needs to escape and that's why they use the oasis and they they literally live their lives in the oasis um and so it it made the stakes a little higher in the book because rather than just being some game that some guy wants to stop or put advertisements in and it, it was literally people's lives he was doing it too honestly that description that you just gave me kind of made me appreciate the movie a little bit more because everything that you just said does require a lot more explanation and like creative thought in my own head when I'm reading a book and to reduce the amount of challenges and not explain all that kind of stuff actually kind of gives the movie less plot holes, I would say, perhaps. Maybe not plot holes. That might not be the right word because who knows if there would have been more or less plot holes. But I guess it kind of allows you to create a more cognitive story than missing out on thing X, Y, Z, but getting ABC right just you know reinvent the wheel but keep the same theme i mean that is exactly what spielberg did right he basically took the general blueprint and made it his own and i think for people that haven't read the book it's going to be fantastic it's a great movie don't get me wrong like visually i think that scene at the beginning where they're explaining the oasis and and also the shining scene and that scene where he's like driving underneath everything and you can see like the the city and like the race and how it's like mechanically happening. I think all of those visually were phenomenal. I mm. tend to really hate CG in movies, but this was, I think, really, really well done. Um, and it didn't make me like, I just wanted to have fun in the movie. Um, so I think it is a fantastic movie, but I think it is hard for me to separate the knowledge that I have from the book from the movie. Yeah, I, I echo that completely. Um, 
I definitely want to see it again, I think, because I want to go in, uh, and, you know, kind of knowing now that it's nothing like the book, because obviously the first time I had this expectations of where the book was compared to the movie. Now, I kind of want to like go in, you know, with new eyes and like, you know, really see it because overall it is a really good movie. It's uh, really well done. Um, some of the changes they made, I understand. Uh, some of the like, you know, perhaps one of the uh, keys that Wade has to do, he basically plays a video game. He plays an old video game to unlock the first key. Watching somebody play a video game on the big screen, you know, it's not going to be as fun as watching this awesome race happening where you got the DeLorean, you got the bike from Akita, you have, you know, Bigfoot, you know, and of course, King Kong and uh, Rexy from uh, Jurassic Park coming out and eating IOI cars and like that, that, you know, was just fantastic to watch. So um, I really, I, I feel like I understand what the changes they made. And um, actually, I, I watched a interview of Ernest Klein. Um, talking about how he wrote because he co-wrote the screenplay uh, for the movie as well and so I was like you know he obviously was the author of the book but also the screenwriter so like I tried to decipher why he made the decisions he made and after really listening to him you know saying that this was always meant to be a book it's really kind of it's going to be a really hard stretch to make the book word for word verbatim into a movie so he's like as long as it had that essence of what the book is about in the movie and was able to give you that fan service as well that you know 80s nostalgia and video game pop culture um he's going to be satisfied with and so after like really listening to him i got more of appreciation of the changes made even though i think the book tells a better story overall the movie still overall is a, a really great movie and recommend anybody to see it i want to so, i want to take ahead. that movie in super slow motion and just pick out every single reference to everything well, that's oh what I was man, it ask. would take like a hundred times viewing. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask both of you. What was your favorite reference that you caught that you don't think anyone else did? Mm, let's see. I saw the Mach 5 racer from Speed Racer during the race. Um, and also Ryu from Street Fighter was walking by. I thought that was pretty nifty. Bunch of Street Fighter and then a bunch of Mortal Kombat references. Um, actually, and when Wade or Parzival finally makes it to the easter egg the whole like kind of alter it's on is like super mortal Kombat themed and actually uh raiden there's like a statue of raiden in the corner somewhere like that as well i had to like go back and like youtube it to find out but there's yeah a ton of easter eggs everywhere honestly <laughs> i think the reference that made me laugh the most was when the iron giant was sinking into the lava and i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with if you, you know what i'm talking about more power to you i'm with you yeah, there. That, yeah, I really like the like subtle things that they did. Like um, the guns that they were using were all from different video games. Like at one point, it was the rail gun from Halo, and then like Artemis takes out the I think it's the chain lancer, uh, chainsaw lancer from Gears of War, and she's shooting that for a while. And so like they did lots of like little tiny things and like little tiny callbacks that I thought were fantastic. Yeah, I wanted there to be League of Legends characters and World of Warcraft characters. I don't know if there were, but I swore for a second I saw Blitzcrank, but I don't know if that's true. You just have to go watch it again for that no, you know, true. hundredth time and see if you can find it. That's a good point. <laughs> Take um, my money, movie theater. I mean, <laughs> Take I also, my money. I also want to see lots more Blizzard characters, and that's why today, fellas, I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm going to take you somewhere really, really special. Boys, we're going to Blizzard World. My arrow finds its mark. I bring the mega death. Cheers, love. The cavalry's here. That's right, boys. We are here in Blizzard World. This week we're talking all about Blizzard because all kinds of crazy things have happened in the Blizzardverse. And as I've said before, I am a giant Blizzard fanboy. Peaches, also, I'm going to call you a fanboy because literally we open up the computer and the first thing we do is open the Blizzard client. Um, Cody, how familiar are you with Blizzard games? I am uh, somewhat familiar. I unfortunately haven't played a ton of WoW, but I did WoW a little bit back in uh, college days. I did have a lot of fun with it. And then, of course, Overwatch. I'm very familiar with Overwatch as well. So I respect Blizzard very highly for the kind of content and quality games that they seem to constantly produce. Oh, yeah, Cody? What expansion oh, yeah. did you play of WoW? Oh, man. This is uh, 
That uh, you he put me on play. the spot, Peaches. He didn't play. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> I, I got introduced to it, and like you know, my uh, my girlfriend at the time, her brother and his wife were huge WoW fans, and they're like, "What? You don't play?" And I was like, "No, I've never, you know, never been into it." They're like, "Sit down." So they got me signed up, uh, put me on a PC, and then like for like the next you know, almost that remaining year, I kept coming over with uh, my laptop and we would just have wow parties in their living room. And I, I had a lot of fun. All right. All is forgiven. I'm sorry. Well, you can join back into the wow party when Battle you know, for Azeroth comes out August 14th. We got a release date, everybody. Hey. Um, so the wow. new, the new, you're right. That's right. It's the new wow expansion. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> the new wow expansion releases August 14th of this year, which is a little earlier than everybody thought. Um, I think like two months before BlizzCon, um, which is kind of crazy, but uh, the new expansion, which introduces all the different allied races and has all kinds of fun stuff but it's amazing this game is still going on it's been what 15 years something like almost that? 15 years yeah yeah absolutely yep, 2004 is when wow started and it's just been wildly popular it's had its ups and downs but it's just even i, I found this chart that has um like their figures by quarter and the first quarter of 2005 when it was just the base game already had one and a half million players roughly that's amazing yeah, I was actually incredible. just um, watching this documentary about Cuba, and this—I swear this is there's there's a reason why I'm talking about this. I was watching this documentary about Cuba and about video gaming in Cuba, which actually is a lot more topical than I think about now that I think about it. Um, but or is it tropical? Hey now, yeah, it's really topical. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. So in Cuba, they don't. The internet is not as widely accessible as it is here. It's it's very expensive for them to pay for it, and so a lot of gamers don't actually get to game online with the rest of the world. So they've rigged themselves large networks throughout the island where they play WoW on their own servers. So if you go to Cuba, you can play WoW with only other Cubans. That's pretty nice, nice actually. <laughs> yeah. Also, eat a Cuban sandwich while you're playing with uh, your fellow. Cuban friends I really like that I think that's a it's a really cool thing because you know obviously when you're in it you can be any in any given server at any time playing with people all over the world but I guess you know when you're in Cuba you know that you're always playing with your fellow countrymen and that's got to be pretty nifty well and it's amazing that in this 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 island that you know is so restricted from the rest of the world because of obviously political reasons and the whole dictatorship and everything that the one thing they do to stick it to the man is play World of Warcraft <laughs> I'll show him. So revolutionary. Oh my god, god bless. Video games rule all, right? Like What do you think the the player total is going to be for this one? I think Did it'll you be look anything up? I I haven't looked anything up. Um but I do think that this it's going to continue the the upward trend. So I think um Royal Lords of Draenor was like the the last like pitfall, I think. I think it was the last like big low point for the series and Legion. Both you and I played Peaches and we both loved it. Obviously, we don't play that much anymore because WoW kind of have has this like lifespan specifically for players um, that can kind of get fatigued from it. I know I can get fatigued, but I think it'll I'm going to be on there August 14th. I'll be there. I don't want to say I'll be there, but you're gonna you know, be there. I'll probably be there too. You'll be there. You'll be there. If I'm playing it, you're gonna you're gonna be like Eduardo. What are you playing this? And I'm like, all right. Well, I guess I'm playing it too. Because if if we're doing squad up streams and you're playing that, I have to follow suit. So. There you go. Twist your arm. Peer pressure, bro. Peer pressure. <laughs> and Cody, then you can guys we can expect you on there? What'd you say? I said, Cody, can we expect you on there for Battle for Azeroth? uh please stand by for further knowledge you may you may or may not see me on there i have i, I will i will confess i have definitely had the itch to uh <clears throat> get back into wow I, I you know i need a good mmo game to really you know bury myself in again because i've been having an itch since uh, destiny kind of left me recently you know that's what so, that's uh, what got me in back into wow was destiny so i played destiny and i wanted that community feeling again and like yeah 
WoW is just like the better version. I mean, it's it's different because it's not a shooter and everything, but it's 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 the more fleshed out, better. If you want the true MMO experience, and I'll put this out there for anyone, whoever wants to listen, you might as well just play WoW. Um, Peaches and I have talked a ton about these, all these different games that we could play, and we'd always go, well, or we could just play WoW because it's basically that game, but better. Yeah, there's typically always... There's a few genres for me that there's there's typically always one, maybe two games where like I'll try the other versions, but there's no reason to put too much effort into it because I've tried several MMORPGs and I always go back to WoW. I've tried several different MOBAs like we talked about last week. We always go back to either League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm, whichever season we decide it is. And uh, there's just no reason to play other MMOs, honestly, once you've played WoW, in my opinion. Cool. Speaking of MOBAs, Heroes of the Storm got a new character, and you both should stay a while and listen. I can't handle this, man. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so, Cody, have you ever played Diablo? I have, yes. I am familiar with Diablo. Are you familiar with Deckard Kane? I, I wasn't at first when I first uh, saw that um, he was coming to HOTS, but I looked up and I was like, this sounds familiar, and... Um, I did see that. I think he was he was a character in Diablo once. Is that right? So he is, and he's not like he's not like a hero or anything. He's this like old guy that identifies your items for you and is sort of like a storyteller guide for you throughout the game. How so, dare you? Deckard Kane is a hero. <laughs> I mean, he is now. He's just a very old, withered hero that probably shouldn't be played in Hots. Well, and, like, it's not just that. So they, they added him into the game, and first off, it's very unlikely that he would have even made it into the game, right? And then his kit is so brilliant. Let me tell you, his Q, he, like, throws out healing potions, and, like, you can, like, pick up the healing potions and heal, and he has talents that, like, will cause the potions to refill, or they'll get stronger over time, or they'll cause an AoE heal. Then he's got a couple, he's got, like, this, like, scroll thing. He throws out the Haradric Cube, which is also insane. And then he has this ultimate where... He just says, stay a while, then listen. And he starts reading a story, and in a cone in front of him, he puts everybody to sleep from his engaging tale. Um, and I think just the way they did it was so brilliant. I think that his other alt is more hilarious. I like stay a while and listen, <laughs> but when you take a book and turn it into a tornado and you call the ultimate Lornado, what's better than that? <laughs> No, uh, that... n- nothing. Nothing's better than that. He puts people to sleep and throws a tornado of scrolls and old books at people. Like OP right there. Now that ultimate was actually an April Fool's joke from another. Ca- so they they do this like every other year, every couple of years. Well, they'll do like a like a coming soon for April Fools, and they'll tease a bunch of like random nonsense that's never going to get made. And that ultimate was one of them. It was a a kit on some random character that they were never going to release, and it just ended up being perfect for Deckard Kane. Well, the more you know, because I had no idea. I I honestly thought when you told me about this, now this news came from PAX, right? That's right, PAX East. Like maybe like yesterday, two days ago. Just yesterday. Yep. Yeah. So it was past April first, and when you told me that, I thought you were absolutely trying to fool me that he was coming to the game. And then I watched the hero spotlight and it just blew me away. Literally because he cast Lornado. Well, I mean, we both love Heroes of the Storm. We play it. It's like the game that we turn on and we just immediately start playing. Um, By the way, you can catch us every Friday night on twitch.tv slash peaches. We'll plug in there. We'll plug in there. You'll be, uh, anybody who's on today for whatever reason, even though you're going to hear this after we're going to be on, uh, we'll be on tonight. Um, but moving on, Overwatch. So Overwatch is sort of the crown jewel of the Blizzard Empire right now. I, I don't like to admit it because I'm like a Warcraft fanboy and I want my other games to, to get their, their, their time in the limelight, um, but Overwatch is sort of that the flagship, sort of the flag bearer uh, for Blizzard right now, and they got a new event going on, Overwatch Retribution, which if you remember last year, they did the, um, oh god, what was the event called? Um, 
It was Uprising. Uprising, yeah, yeah. you're correct. And now they've they renamed it into like archives, so now every year you're gonna be able to go into some sort of past event of Overwatch. And this one deals with Blackwatch. So we kinda got it teased last year that Blackwatch was a thing and now we have a little it's a little bit more fleshed out. You've got you're gonna be able to do a PvE event in a brand new map in Venice, uh, with Reaper, McCree, Moira, and Genji. And they're on their cool Blackwatch skins and you're gonna be able to do that that event. They're gonna have a uh, tons of new skins, you're gonna be able to get the skins from last year, you're gonna be able to play the event from last year as well as the new one this year they've got comics coming out for it they are firing on all cylinders they're like all aboard the overwatch train secretly eduardo is is a blizzard spokesperson dude i blizzard if you're (laughs) listening to this right now mr blizzard sir blizzard president of blizzard uh i would love to be your spokesperson so please give me a call wherever you are captain blizzard before you can do that, you have to be able to say words in the correct tense. Hey, you know what? For Blizzard, I could do it. For Blizzard, I, I could did it. <laughs> For Blizzard, I did did it. What? That's awkward. <laughs> you don't talk real good. Now, Cody, you've mentioned that you love yourself a good first-person shooter. Have you been? Uh, have you been playing a little little Overwatch there? It's been a while since I've hopped back on Overwatch, but um, <clears throat> I was on it for quite a bit. Did enjoy it. I like I left for a while and then came back and realized that everybody was substantially better than I was. So it kind of turned me off as I went back on there. But um, this has definitely piqued my interest again, and I really want to get back in there. Um, I love the new skins. I, um, I'm a big Genji and McCree fan. Those are like my two main heroes that I usually go to. So I like that uh, they're both part of this and a fun PVE time as well. Because you think Overwatch, it's mostly PVP, obviously. But um, adding a little PVE element um, to this new map, uh, Rialto, like you said, in, in Venice. And um, so I think it's it looks great. Um, I like the storyline to it. Um, even looks like there's uh, new soldiers that they have in there from like, you get to fight Talon and he has this little army and, and going on. And it, yeah, I think it's definitely something that may bring me back into, uh, the Overwatch realm. Yeah. Some of those characters were dope. Yeah. The I like saw, assassin girl with the blades. Yeah. I liked the guy, the big guy with the double Gatling guns. Ooh, he's yeah. a heavy assault guy. He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's trouble. He does not look fun, but he also looks awesome at the same time. Yeah, it looks great. And it's it's so genius what they're doing with Overwatch, right? So they, they build this world in a multiplayer-only game, and they have such great characters that we're all clamoring for any information about them. And then they, they dole out little tiny pockets of insight into their backstory but they don't give you too much because if they give you too much you're not going to want more and they just give you like little little bits here and there and everyone every anytime there's any sort of like lore thing happening in overwatch people just kind of jump on it and it's it's just classic blizzard being geniuses and here i am being the spokesperson for blizzard once again yeah (laughs) we ought to rename this podcast to blizzard up blizzard up and people think we're dairy queen then (laughs) yeah That sounds like what happens when I have too much. (laughs) That sounds like what happens when I have too much Dairy Queen. People love Dairy. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You ruined my joke. (laughs) No, no. I want to hear your joke, though. Nah, it's too late. That ship has sailed. Sorry. Oh, man. It's too late. Grab it back. But uh, yeah, actually, I watched a stream with uh, Jeff Kaplan from Blizzard Team um, as a. a, brought out retribution to a small crowd and um, he was able to give a little more insights. And um, apparently on, in addition to the other skins that you'll get with Genji Reaper, McCree and Myra um, Reaper apparently has a third secret skin as well that you'll be able to acquire back when he was uh, in his super soldier days. And uh, the name of that's supposed to be soldier 24, I think. So uh, apparently even on top of the black watch skins, they're, more skins and additional loot boxes that are possibly to be gained as well. So they're definitely having everybody biting at the bit right now. And um, yeah, everybody's pretty much just putty in their hands. Like you, you will play my game. I know it. Yeah. So if he's soldier 24 and then we've got soldier 76, where are the other 74 soldiers? What happened to all those guys? They did. No. Spoiler. Oh, yeah. That's those are the other fifty-one characters that they'll eventually introduce. Yeah, let's. No, don't, let's I have no doubt. <laughs> let's get the May backstory where she's Soldier Seventy-Seven. There you oh. go. 
No, you can't mess with May. May's perfect as she is, just a little ice devil. So, Overwatch brings us to our topic for the day. We're talking about first-person shooters. Now, Cody, you love first-person shooters. You love yourself a good first-person shooter. I think we all do. Um, so we're gonna take it and take it way back, back to the the beginning days. The first first-person shooter, uh, a game called Maze War, which was developed back in 1973. Um, now. I was not alive in 1973, neither were either of you two gentlemen, Um, but I was alive in 1993 when Doom was released, and Doom was sort of the next, and I would call it Doom and then probably Duke Nukem, uh, the two games that kind of really, I think the first first person shooter that I've ever played was Duke Nukem back on the PC, um, somewhere in the early 90s, Um, but I think the first one that really got everyone's attention was GoldenEye which released in 1997 on the Nintendo 64, and it's hailed as a landmark first-person shooter for home consoles, what really kind of brought the first-person shooter to home consoles, which is really interesting to think about because the Nintendo 64 controller is horrendous for first-person shooters. Oh, it's, it's awful. It's absolutely and, awful. And yet, here we all are just like four-person split-screening GoldenEye because it's just so fun to play. And Cody, that was your top game of all time, and... It's amazing that that game still has such a lasting impression. It does. Um, I think it's just it's just pure simple basics at its finest. Uh, Rare um, just knew what they were doing when they were making this game. They had they had all the tactics they needed down pat, and even to this day, it still plays fantastic. Yeah, the controller is pretty awful to get used to, but you know something about that Z trigger on the back side of it made you feel like you were actually pulling the trigger on the gun, yep. and it was very satisfying to do. And, and then you have like you know these beautiful levels that are you know back then looked amazing for you know those kind of graphics. And um, I'm also happen to be a huge 007 fan. I love James Bond. Uh, Pierce Brosnan will forever be my James Bond. And um, playing GoldenEye and then like going and I watched the movie afterwards. So like I had always played the game first and then I finally watched GoldenEye the movie. And I, was, I remember going like, Hey, that's in the game. Like I, I did that in the game too. And yeah, that part was in the game. And I, to this day, like I could still plug that thing in Yeah, four person split screen it up and just have an absolute blast. Now, uh, first person shooters, continued to sort of come out but they didn't really take off until this next game that we're going to talk about in 2001 uh the original xbox found its its spokesperson it's it's sort of like franchise figure in master chief when the original halo was released now do you both remember where you were when you first haloed i don't remember where i was but i remember that when everybody else had it and i didn't I begged my mother, let me rewind. I begged everybody in my family to buy me an Xbox just so that I could play Halo with everybody else. Yeah, I had to mooch off my friend. Uh, I was a PlayStation person purely back then, so I did not have an Xbox, but one of my good buddies did. And um, I remember the first time playing Halo, and I was like, this this is how video games are supposed to be. So I, I was over at his house quite a lot, and um, mooched off his Xbox as much as possible. You know, and Halo can be really credited with with bringing forward um, multiplayer in like a competitive fashion um, for first person shooters. So uh, we in that time, um, you did your competitive games are usually just like fighting games, right? At the time we were talking two thousand one, and so um, you didn't really have a huge esports competitive scene. And then all of a sudden, Halo comes around and it starts to grow this this sort of competitiveness in video games, um, which I think is still reverberating through the culture now with esports and the Overwatch League and all kinds of stuff. Um, but it's not until 2007 that, that a game really sort of launches the the genre into a new stratosphere, and that's when Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare releases. And there were other Call of Duty games that I, I think, in my personal opinion, and this is all opinion-based, um, that Call of Duty for Modern Warfare was the first game to really bring first-person shooters to the mass audiences. Um, And that's when the casual audience became first-person shooter fans, right? So I remember when Modern Warfare 2 came out and everyone played it. Everyone that I knew 
played Modern Warfare 2. Everyone around me was playing it, and we were playing it all the time um, at all hours of the night. Um, and it's interesting to think about because I don't remember the last time I even touched a Call of Duty game, but I can also tell you a time where all I played was Call of Duty. So um, were you guys, either of you, uh, Call of Duty fans? No, no, bro. You, you lost me from the first-person shooter genre for a while in around 2004, 2005, after I got tired of playing Halo 2. Then I dropped off of FPSs until basically Bioshock came out. I like to, I like don't even classify Bioshock as a first-person shooter because it's like, while it is a first-person shooter, it's also like, I think it's sort of reductive to call it a first-person shooter. Like it like diminishes what what that game is by calling oh, no, it a no. first-person shooter. I, I, I wouldn't classify if it had a main classification. I would not call it purely a first-person shooter either. But as far as you know, games where I am firing a projectile at people, I got bored with Halo 2 and then I kind of just dropped off and I, you know, played Final Fantasy and that kind of stuff for a while cuz I'm a huge nerd. What about you, Cody? Uh unlike Peaches, I was definitely heavily into Call of Duty. I pretty much I think I've played them all to this day uh for the most part. I, I don't shut too much anymore. Um but uh there was definitely a good while where Call of Duty was my main game. Um definitely Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2. Uh, Black Ops honestly was one of my favorite titles. I think still to this day, I, I really enjoyed Black Ops, and yeah, FPSs are my thing, and I just love playing. I love the match making with the ranked playlist as well. You know, you add, you do good, you get rewarded for it. You get high level, and you know, I remember reaching those higher levels and feeling like I accomplished something. You know, I, I'm I'm a force to be reckoned with. I'm not the best in the world, but you know. Nine times out of ten, I may I may win that gun battle, and they're they've been a big important part of my my gaming life. And um, I think even though they they're getting a little saturated now, I feel um, right. Just you know, year after year, they feel like they have to bring a new Call of Duty game out, and I feel like after a while, you're just gonna run out of really originality in a way. But they definitely Call of Duty as a general holds its own in first person shooters I've played since the first one on PC from, you know, the world war two days all the way up to this brand new one uh, back to the world war two days. Again, they've gone through all the different decades so far. And, you know, there's a reason that they're still highly played to this day. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's interesting because that kind of brings us to the sort of the, the broad topic that we're having is kind of what happened to the first person shooter. And when I talk about the first person shooter, I mean the the pure first person Call of Duty um, battlefield type first person shooter. Um, because I would say that Call of Duty in those games are, are sort of in a decline right now, right? So I... I at least when I used to play Call of Duty all the time, I think the Call of Duty that I played more than anything was the first Black Ops. When I used to play all the time, it was all anyone played. Um, and honestly, I don't know anyone who still plays uh, almost at all. I think, Cody, you might be the only person that I know. Um, most people are playing, if they are still playing shooters, they're playing Overwatch, uh, maybe counter-strike i know counter-strike is still pretty big um but i think that the 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 first person shooter for a while was sort of the game of choice for for lots of people for definitely for the casual audience and i don't know if that's that's the same as it used to be i think you i think you might be slightly underestimating the amount of people that play um the modern warfare i'm sorry the call of duty games in general but I don't know. I might, I might be on the same side of the fence with you opinion wise. I just don't, I don't think that first person shooters that are just basic first person shooters where, you know, we both have the same thing going on and I just have to shoot you in the head faster than you can shoot me in the head. I just don't think that they're that exciting. I think they need to have more content to be exciting for me. Yeah. And I think that's a reason that like, you know, call of duty games have like that zombie mode right there's always they have to give you something else to do yeah there's a little bit of a story or a campaign to play it's pretty vanilla at best and you can run through it within like you know an hour or so and then they give you like you know the zombie modes to try to break up the monotony uh the newest call of duty world war ii actually has a mode where you get to be an inanimate object like a lamp or like a you know computer not a computer i guess that'd be a sink and you're supposed to hide from other players who are out in the world trying to find you and shoot you and kill you 
So I, I found that very interesting. And I think that's, uh, you know, a different way of doing things, that's for sure. But I think that's another way of them trying to break up the monotony because overall, I, you know, I think people are going to eventually start falling off a little bit if more newer content that keeps people coming back to a game uh, is not introduced. Because after a while, you know, just shooting the guy across the map just because he's standing there, it, you know, isn't going to be as satisfying as having something to really work towards like, you know, a storyline or, you know, some loot to grind for, per se. No, I really I'll, hope that a Call of Duty character as a lamp becomes a character in the next Super Smash Bros. game. Yeah, that can would I get be a amazing. Call of Duty as a lamp amiibo? I would pay money for that. <laughs> Only if it lights up. Oh, that'd be so dope. And lights up when it's like on the like little, when you scan it on the pedestal. Would you say that that situation would be lit? No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to let that one simmer for a second. <laughs> um, that wasn't a bright idea, I guess. He's on one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my goodness. Peaches, everyone. You can catch him on a stream. What is it? Tuesdays? I don't know. I don't remember what your schedule let me, is. Let me illuminate this situation for you. Tuesdays, horror. Fridays, squat up. Sundays, who the hell knows? Yeah, all that. Um, and so maybe you'll play a little bit of Overwatch, which I think is is the game that, that I, I kind of kind of come back to when I think about the first-person shooter and sort of what happened to it in that traditional sense. And, and that I think... I don't think that the genre of the first person shooter is going to survive because it's not going to become it's not going to stay the first person shooter. Like do first person shooters need to be more than just a shooter to to really like make it out in the, in the world nowadays. You've got Overwatch which is for all intents and purposes a MOBA and a shooter sort of combined, right? You've got this like hero based thing um where all your characters kind of do things a little bit different and they kind of like combine in ways to kind of uh, make all these different teams. And you've got uh, games like Far Cry, which is basically Skyrim with shooting in that, in that weird setting, right? So you've got Far Cry 5, which just came out, which is set in like Montana, and it's this giant open world game, but this also just happens to be a first-person shooter. I mean, I think that's going to be, in my opinion, the trend you'll see. You'll see games that, 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 that have a theme, uh, not dissimilar to what we were talking about with Bioshock, where they have this thing that they are, and they also just happen to be a first-person shooter. I 100% agree. I let me so the timeline that I was thinking about earlier about the experiences that we all have with our own FPSs. I told you I got bored with Halo and honestly that's just because it was, it was just the same thing over and over. It was who's going to get a rocket launcher or a plasma sword first and then everyone else dies until you can kill that person or you're playing juggernaut mode and everyone just dies anyway or you're all just playing with rockets. Eventually it just kind of got boring to me. And so I dropped off for a while, started playing Counter-Strike Source when that came out. And you, they had a gun game in Counter-Strike Source where every time you got a kill, your gun got upgraded to the next thing. And I think there were 24 upgrades. And the very last one, you had to kill someone with a knife, I believe, or maybe a grenade. I don't know what it was at this point. But even that got boring because it was the same formula every time. And I'm going to blow your mind right now with what got me back into shooting games that had a theme. Bioshock 2 Multiplayer interesting hmm. yeah you didn't even play that you had no idea I, I played probably twice and then was like this isn't for me well this is why this is why i like it it was like it was basically team fortress right and i don't i don't know exactly the timeline of the first team fortress versus bioshock 2 but if you go back and you think about bioshock 2 multiplayer it's very similar to team fortress 2 in that you're building a character that has whatever attributes you decide to give that character because you pick what two guns that you're going to bring to each map. You pick what um, plasmids that you were using. You picked which like buffs that your specific character had. And you never knew what anybody else you're playing against was going was gonna to have. So there was something different about it, some customization aspect that made the game super unique. And then later when that died out, Gotham City Imposters was like a Batman version of Team Fortress 2. I that I loved Gotham City Imposters. It was so fun because it was that same thing. It was, I customized my character. I'm a big fat guy, so I move around a lot slower, but I'm basically a tank. It takes 
a ton of hits to kill me. And that's how I liked to play that game. And everybody else played different. Some people were the skinniest version of their imposter and they used the stealth potion and killed people with the sword. Like there was so much variety in what was going on. And that brings us right back to what you're saying with Overwatch. Like Overwatch at its core is a first person shooter, unless you're Reinhardt, in which case it's a first person hammer -er. But but <laughs> it's got all these other elements and and teamwork aspects that just make it so unique. And I think that if that's the route that a quote unquote first person shooter game is going to go, I like that route better than, hey, you've got the same gun I've I've got. Draw, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the first person shooter just really doesn't have the the, the legs that it used to. But let me ask you something, uh, both of you gentlemen. Now we're not going to talk Bioshock because I know we'd both uh, pick Bioshock. But what do you think is the the? Uh, let me not say the best first person shooter, but let me say the most influential first person shooter. Peaches, I'm going to defer that one to you because I got away. That. <laughs> That is a smart move, and I'm upset I didn't come up with it first because I, I also am having a hard time answering. I, um, if, if it's leaving my personal opinion aside, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say Halo, and I'm not saying that because it's the, it seems to be the theme of some of this episode. I just think that Halo had such a, a quick following when it first came out, and it continued to have a following, and I think everybody from our age group and even after it has played Halo at some point because it's just been around so long. And I think when you try to think of a first-person shooter that is purely a first-person shooter and doesn't have all this gimmicky stuff that we like instead, I think it's probably number one. I like that. I, I, I agree with you. However, I am going to fall back to my my old ways and I'm going to say I'm going to give it to Goldeneye again. I think what Goldeneye meant for the first person shooter um, category and games in general and just the overall time that I spent with it and how much fun I had with it. Um, just the variety it gave me, you know, it and on its whole, it is, you know, still just a first person shooter. There wasn't a ton that you can do. You could customize, you know, what guns were in the map. You could go slappers only. That's, you know, everybody's favorite, right? Um, but yeah, what it meant to me, and I think what it meant for the, you know, first person shooter FPS world, uh, Goldeneye should hold its place as, you know, one of the most influential of that group, I think. Well, I'm going to surprise everyone. And say that I think the most influential first person shooter and I think the best first person shooter and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna show my colors once again and I'm gonna give it to Overwatch. I think that Overwatch has redefined the genre and it's gonna be this the sort of the flag bearer for the next large chunk of years to come you've got the overwatch league you've got all these crazy things that this game is doing and it's because it is taking this genre and propelling it forward more than any other game ever could right so like call of duty has been iterating every year for years right even halo the most recent halo was not very critically acclaimed but here here comes overwatch and takes the, the core element of what it is to be a first person shooter and almost flips it on its head and it and it, it, it i think it's going to be credited with keeping the genre alive and, and thriving um, for years to come did you just say flag bear i heard yeah. flag bear no 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 no, no. i said flag bear Flag bearer, yeah. No, 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 yeah, flag bearer. Yeah, a bear with a flag. Yeah, yeah, flag bearer. Okay. okay, we're on the same page. We're good. Right, right. no, yeah, definitely, flag bearer. Um, also, yeah. you, you really need to change the name of this podcast to Blizzard Up. Look, I'm not going to hide the fact that I love Blizzard games. I'm going to let my Blizzard flag fly. Or we should name it Flag Bear. Or you should, you know what, it's going to be Flag Bear, the name of this episode. Um, <laughs> nice. Oh, I thought I had it with draw, you know? Oh, nah. man. That's going to be a toss-up. I can't decide yet. 
But now that we're rambling a little bit, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Squad Up. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening once again. We really appreciate um, everyone. I think we're, we're almost at 200 downloads for the, the four or three episodes that we've done so far, which is uh, more than I ever thought we'd get. I thought we'd get like my mom and maybe like a couple friends, but this has been overwhelming so far. Um, and if you want to help us out, we could use um, iTunes reviews that help uh, new people discover the show. So so um, give us whatever review you think is fair. Uh, five stars. Um, whatever review you think is fair. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, reviewing the show would really help us out um, on iTunes. Um, now, uh, Peaches, you've already talked about your stream a little bit, but remind the folks where the stream is, what the schedule's like, where they can find you. Yeah, sure. Um, come to twitch.tv slash peaches. Uh, this Tuesday, I will be probably finishing among the sleep which started to scare me a little bit by the middle of the game so got a few good reactions after that i'm going to go to something a little more terrifying which will be revealed later so stay on your toes for that friday's squad up um on twitch with whoever from the squad wants to join us that's a cody and lewis plug right there because they've joined the squad Boom. and uh sundays be playing whatever i played some link to the past randomizer and some cuphead last week got absolutely destroyed so come watch me get destroyed by things that's that's a motto i guess and yes thank you so much for the support um if if you guys want to reach out to us as well personally let us know what kind of stuff you want to see on the show leave us a review um anything is helpful for us um we really appreciate all the support so far so thank you so much now, Cody, is there anything you want to pimp out, anything you want to put out there for the world to know where they can find you, find you on social media, anything like that? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram, Snapchat, at, at Code White. That's K-O-D-E White. Um, also, my gamer tag on Xbox is Code White 89 So if anybody wants to play anything, I'm, I'm always available and around to do so. And I uh, just want to thank you guys for inviting me on the show, man. This has been an absolute blast. I think the pod's doing excellent things and uh, this is real entertaining to listen to and it's been even more entertaining to be a part of so thank you both again for letting me on man yeah absolutely yeah, you, can, you can pay us after the show yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll uh i'll venmo that to you yeah anybody else wants that deal and wants to pay us to be on the show please once again, that's going to do it uh, this week for Squad Up. You can find the show at Squad Up on Twitter. You can find me at ABCD Eduardo on Twitter. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Eduardo. I'm streaming a little more, bit more regularly now. I don't have a schedule like Peaches, but um, you can find us there. We'll be streaming Squad Up every Friday, and we'll see you next week. Squad Up.